0: Welcome to episode 56 of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. Morning.
1: Good morning. It's it is, yeah.
0: Friday the 13th, um, mm-hmm. after a full moon at 8.30 a.m.
1: Wonderful. On a gloomy
0: It is kind of yucky. I'm not Friday looking forward morning. to getting on the road. I do not like icy stuff.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yikes. I know there was a big accident on I-80, so I ended up taking like 75 mm-hmm. to uh, 370 over, and I've only mm-hmm. done that a few times, and it's a little bit of a mess too, but at least I avoided the seven police cars I counted yeah. on I-80. So 370
0: traffic is oh, always gosh. always a battle.
1: Oh, got to love traffic. But
0: um, I think one of the things that we kind of chatted about sharing today, um, as we're in holiday season, um, I had someone forward to me, um, six reasons Thanksgiving in the nineties was the best, um, you know, which is all relative. Um, but it, it was really kind of interesting to think about how much has changed. Um, and this, they also talked about um, chickenpox, which we talked about recently as well. Um, and I kind of noticed some generational differences there when that topic came up. So when I was growing up, there was not a chickenpox vaccine; it yeah. did not exist. Um, so the way you got past chickenpox was to get them. And um, I can distinctly remember, and my friend Erica. Um, who lived here in Omaha, and I lived back home in Exeter. Her parents lived on a farm outside of Burris. And when Erica was home, I would go to see her on the weekends. And her cousin was trailing along with us, and we were out exploring on the railroad tracks. And Robin kind of showed her belly, and she said, look at these spots I have. And I thought, oh, that's probably not good as a 13-year-old to be getting chickenpox. And it was really, really bad. I was really sick um, for weeks and not just like chickenpox sick, but actually what the virus does to your body. Um, it was rough. So um, that was part of this message around six reasons Thanksgiving in the 90s was the best. You know, the six-year-old girl itched the itch by her belly button and soon discovered that itch wasn't any itch. It was chickenpox compliments of her first-grade friends. And thus the decade of the 90s Thanksgivings dotted my childhood. Um, so... I think it is kind of interesting for us to look at how holidays have changed um, over time and really look at, you know, some of our favorite holiday memories and are they the same and are they different? Mm -hmm. Um, For me right now, even honoring holidays is really kind of a a kind of a weird place. Um, But my kids are being very adamant about capturing and um, keeping their traditions. So I've always had a real Christmas tree Um, Mm -hmm. that I, I take that back. When they were young, we could not have a real Christmas tree because their dad has very severe allergies. And so one of our favorite family stories is the year that he, we got divorced and he thought he would get a real Christmas tree for the kids, like thinking he was over his allergies or something. Okay. And he had what we called platypus face for a couple days because he tried to bring a real Christmas tree in. Oh my and he has such severe allergies. So the kids and I were talking about that. And this year, um, and I've had a real Christmas tree since until this year, um, where I had to purchase a fake one um, in the apartment. But they have encouraged me to honor their traditions. Um, yeah. I've never used garland. I've never used tinsel. I only put white lights and ornaments and all of their ornaments, yeah, including their handmade ones. But this year, the handmade ones sat out. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of piled them up, and I said, you know, we're going to let these sit out this year. It's not a very big tree. Um, but even the food that they want, the things that they look forward to, yeah. um, they've got some traditions that I think they'll find later are generational yeah. as well. Absolutely. Even the um, ornaments. There's a South Park ornament. Their grandma, uh, Grammy got the kids an ornament every year. There's a South Park ornament. There were some... Um, Christmas story ornaments um, with Ralphie in the pink um, rabbit suit. There are just a number of things that I think they'll look back later and see as very generational too.
1: Yeah, I think something I've noticed a lot in terms of how our family has changed in celebrating holidays based on... I mean slightly generational but I think mostly just how our family has grown. There are 13 grandkids uh, from the oldest is uh, 31, 32 and the youngest just turned three mm-hmm. um, but for a long time we didn't have the young, young set and so you know when we were growing up it was you know when all of us were kind of In the, you know, all of us are in our like twenties and early thirties now. uh, But we were, so we were all kind of congregated when we were younger, and we have kind of these collections of cousins at different ages. So there are two female, two female cousins that are my same age. So there are three of us, all female, all the same age. My brother has two male cousins that are all the same age Mm -hmm. as him. So there are three of those, and then my sister was part of kind of the older group of cousins, and there were four. Um, are four of them that were kind of all in the same age range within a couple of years of each other, two guys and two girls. And so that was kind of a little bit of this. We were in these little pockets and sets. Like and, built-in friendships. Yeah, like yeah. built-in friendships, which was so great. Um, and built-in rivalries, kind of like siblings mm-hmm. as well. But I think one of the things that I really noticed is before we had this younger set of cousins, because there's an age gap in my dad's siblings, um, so we didn't have this younger set of cousins for a while. And we were in high school, starting to get into college, and I just noticed even the... Um, the topics of conversation and how we celebrate it change. So alcohol is kind of a big part of our celebrations now, not like obviously in a, in a poor way, but like people really enjoy craft beer in my family mm-hmm. and really enjoy a good glass of wine. And I think it was, I remember, you know, within the last, you know, five years or so, that really becoming more of a central piece of us finding more commonality and the difference between my aunts and uncles and the cousins that those Uh, that gap, I feel like, was bridged a little more Mm -hmm. um, because we were becoming more adults. And so I feel like I'm more like friends with my aunts and uncles Mm -hmm. now, as opposed to the people that they have to tell to settle down, you know? And there's like not really a kid's table anymore. There used to be a kid's table, but everyone kind of is integrated with one another. And Mm -hmm. um, so there are all these, I think, differences, I think mostly in just like growing up, which is a little bit, somewhat of a generational thing, but I think just naturally happens within every generation. you know we talk about how siblings have these insane rivalries and then when they grow up, you know, they become closer because they realize you know we're adults or you know people sometimes have much better relationships with their parents when they're older. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've seen that really evolve in my family. Um, I'm so grateful that my this is my dad's side um, that we're all very close a lot are still in the same town in Minnesota. I get to see them a lot, you know. Whenever I go home, some of them come down to visit me here, and but it's been really neat to see how the relationships have morphed a little bit as I become more of an adult. Um, kind of still not there, but <laughs> that shift
0: you know. to adulting, um, I think we often we joke about it, kind of tongue in cheek, ha ha ha. But there are some, I mean, noticeable shifts. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine on social media posted. You know why didn't they tell me these things about adulting? And it was, um, you know, about waking up at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, no matter what time you go to bed. Um, mm-hmm. That that's a shift into, you know, this next level of adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, that the only thing you'll get in the mail are bills. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some of the things that she said, no one yeah. told me about mm-hmm. adulting. Um, you know that you'll forget where your keys are, but you will also forget where you parked your car. Um, the way your body changes. Um, and just being aware and cognizant of prevention of injury and how, you know, there's, so I think even, you know, a shift into twenties and then a shift into thirties and a shift into forties. And I, around this time of year, get very reflective of all the things I thought I knew every year, all the things I thought I knew that I didn't and all Mm -hmm. the apologies I owe for the assumptions I made about things that I didn't know about age 45 or about Mm -hmm. age 35 or about age 25 or even you know back to I think about 18 all the things I did not know that I assumed I did and then Mm -hmm. just the grace and the empathy for some of the things that are struggles that I used to probably roll my eyes about. Like, even the physical pieces, like when people would complain about throwing their back out or, you know, having to get a root canal or, you know, dental work and um, having to – you know, I can't – I would hear all the time, gosh, I used to be a runner and I can't run anymore and I'd kind of have this eye roll like, well whatever. That's true. Like, really Mm – Having so much more, and the older I get, I think I have so much more recognition for all the people who are older than me that know so much more than I do, but oh. are not always treated as such. Mm. Um, and there's a whole lot of, um, whole lot of research around that. Um, I have mentioned the Mary um, Pfeiffer book, Women Rowing, Rowing North, and I had a, a great conversation with Roseanne, um, who I've talked about here on the podcast a couple times, Roseanne Liesfeld, her book, Grief and Gratitude, is a book that I gift yeah. often, um, but also just having some conversation with her about you know, what retirement, quote-unquote, looks like, shifting out of a job and, and times of transition, but yeah. also how people who are older feel invisible. Mm-hmm. And I really could hear that differently now than I've ever heard wow. it. Um, so time, experience, expertise, years... Don't always mean yeah. recognition, um, and we had such a great conversation about that. Which she and I talked a little bit about raw versus mature, yeah. And we talked a lot about, um, and Rosanna is is very gifted about yeah. strengths in times of transition. Absolutely, there's transition that's welcome, that's still change. So yeah. retirement, mm-hmm. a job, a new job that you want, um, moving into a new place that yeah. you are excited about. There's Mm -hmm. times of transition that are wanted transition. Absolutely. And that shifts your strengths Mm
1: -hmm. in ways.
0: Your strengths shift into a a transition mode, even in positive transition. But then there's also times of transition that are unwanted. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole other level, which is times of transition that are unwanted and unexpected. And then what do strengths look like in those moments? Mm -hmm. And so I think Roseanne has very much the same gift Similar gift to Kurt mm-hmm. in being able to take the nuances of strengths and rewrite them in a way that isn't labeling yeah. and doesn't limit them. Um, that represents strengths or your strengths at any given moment of your life, mm-hmm. and to stay away from labeling yeah. and saying this is. I mean, even the use of "this is raw mature,"
1: yeah,
0: or "this is woo in the in the tank" or whatever mm-hmm. it is, is essentially labeling. Yeah. When we're able to speak to, here's a sentence that describes what Wu looks like in times of unexpected, um, unwelcome mm-hmm. transition. Yeah, is a less labeling mm-hmm. and more all-encompassing way um, to look at strengths, which is actually what you yeah. know Don Clifton intended that to Absolutely. be. Absolutely. Um, so we'd had a couple of questions about raw versus mature, and I was thinking about with holidays changing, even the raw versus mm-hmm. mature. When I think about how I grew up, it is not better than, um, more valid than anyone else's generational perspective. And I think some of the times what we can notice in generational conversations is disregard. So yeah, yeah, that's great and wonderful, but this is how how it is for me, or this is how it was Mm -hmm. for me. Even the labeling of greatest generation, um, I just listened to a podcast recently where someone was talking about um, the greatest generation. He believes is Gen X, or, mm-hmm. or not Gen X, Gen Z, the new, yeah, because mm-hmm. they are doing all of the things that the greatest generation also did. Mm-hmm. They're willing to have hard conversations. Um, so if you if you watch CBS Sunday Morning, they did a by Boomer. Have you heard that phrase?
1: Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. They
0: did that piece. They did a yeah. whole um, CBS Sunday Morning editorial piece on it. Okay. And then a rebuttal. Huh, good. And the rebuttal came from a boomer.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and it was really fascinating because he talked about generational differences and how the assumptions. And then I got to thinking about raw versus mature mm-hmm. is also, to some degree, assumption language mm-hmm. that I'm assuming for you
1: mm-hmm. that that's and that's where it's we have to walk on I think with so much of strengths, but also so much of life we have to be very careful yes. of where we stick our claim and how we talk especially about other people because I would argue that you could say anything as an assumption yes because you are coming at any situation any conversation mm-hmm. any anything that you are entering into, you're coming at from your perspective, right. which automatically has bias built in, Correct. right? Yep. Um, for good or for bad. And right. so you could argue that anything um, is an assumption and anything could turn into a label. And so, but I think especially when we start talking about strengths and mm-hmm. strengths development, it's something to be wary of because um, it is so much about the other person, right? Yes. And. I think it's always good it's good to it's really good to have the framework like I advocate for using the framework of the domains right mm-hmm. which is I think the place and strengths where people are most tempted to label yes. um, and but I really advocate for using it because I think it's a really helpful framework for understanding but there has to be definitions there have to be There has to be a consensus right for how we're approaching and talking about these sorts of paradigms in in a shared sense right Mm -hmm. like i can't just walk in here and say oh you have this and you have this and you don't have this right until we have a shared connection but also then shared definitions and Kind of almost like norms together of right. how we intend to use this information um, because it can be very detrimental to people. And so I think the idea of raw versus mature, I mean, we had um, a board member reach out and really um, kind of question and was kind of irked by the language. And I think it was, it, it made me really pause and think about it too mm-hmm. to say, how do we even define these frameworks mm-hmm. uh, for? Our own learning because I don't think we can I don't think we should just get rid of them right I don't think we should just get rid of balcony basement I don't think we should just get rid of the leadership domains the four domains Mm -hmm. but we need to do it in a responsible way right that values the people that we are talking about talking with and working with Mm -hmm. um, and just really I think respects them I'm learning more and more that our words really matter Yes. And the economy of words is really great. And the weight of it is really great. And so I'm attempting to be a lot more intentional with what I say. And I think that's hard for me with context because I want to say things in five different ways to get at my point, right? Like I want to way over communicate sometimes and and say things in four different ways to make sure somebody understands um, where I'm coming from. But I think more and more I'm realizing that even people whose words have the greatest impact on me are people who understand the weight of words Mm -hmm. and choose their words very intentionally. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something we can do, even maybe share our definitions of how we understand and utilize those frameworks. But then also, do both of us have an idea or kind of a stopper as to when we get into labeling. Mhm.
0: Well, and I think um you like the domains mm-hmm. and you speak to it really well. I'm very hesitant with it because yeah. if the 101 work hasn't been done, yeah. it it's almost almost for me in my experience impossible to go backwards. Yeah. Cuz the leap of what's missing go, it just it naturally happens. Yeah. I'm also not an advocate for people having their full 34. Yeah. Um yeah. Because the leap of what weakness fixing, mm-hmm. it's really hard to get people back to the let's focus on your yeah. your top five. Mm-hmm. Um, so even our differences that we yeah, have in the way absolutely. that we teach about it. Um, I've been using the phrase take what you want and leave the rest quite mm-hmm. a bit recently. Because I do also agree with the economy of words. And also resources and learning. Um learning to discern what I give with words and energy and what I say yes to and what I say no to. But also with the economy of words and the weight of words, we are a text and email culture. Mm-hmm. So there is so much that happens not face-to-face. Yeah. Now, that's who we are as an organization, but we also are really, in reality, can't be face-to-face yeah. with the 20,000 consti- No way more than that, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: 20,000 plus constituents that we have, that bumps against my belief Mm -hmm. in integrity, which is sometimes you can send an email and a whole lot of pieces and nuances will be assumed because you can't see that person face to face or a text. Um, I am trying to be better about using less words and taking a pause and then trying to be very cognizant of even physical proximity. So you may have noticed when um, you asked me about um, plans after staff day that Mm -hmm. I paused and I physically Mm -hmm. took your hands and said, I will not. Yeah. Like, no. Yep. Because I wanted to make a point to say, I'm I'm choosing for me, but also that you could see me. Yeah. and know that it it that was a painful decision for me. Yeah. And the pressure of feeling like I needed to be somewhere that I just knew that I couldn't. Yeah. I wanted you to be able to physically feel and see.
1: Yeah
0: here's my answer. Mm-hmm. So I think the economy of words versus our technology culture today yeah. puts us in a very difficult um, paradox yeah. of how we can put meaning behind our words, but no when does it need a follow up conversation yeah. when does it need ver- like more of a validation or an explanation or a reduction of assumption we don't have 24/7 that we can dedicate to any time that our our feathers are are ruffled but yeah. we also you know Back to your point about the shift in adulting. Yeah. You probably didn't cogniz- see, cognizantly see when that happened. No, it wasn't no. like, and today we're folding away the the mm-hmm. card table that used to be the, the kid table, table, and now you can have a craft beer with dinner. Yeah, There wasn't probably a moment of mm-hmm. ritual or celebration to say that. Yeah. It just naturally evolved. And I think with economy of words, we mm-hmm. could be catalysts for... How can we bring about a shift in yeah. with the economy of words and the fast-paced technology yeah. of text and email? When do we need to say, hey, this this may require some face-to-face dialogue?
1: Absolutely. I love that. It reminds me of this book that I just finished, um, which I know I've shared with you, but um, it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry um, by John Mark Comer. He's a pastor, and it is a Christian book, but essentially it's that, an advocate a book that advocates for slowing down our pace of life because the way in which um our life has sped up and our culture has sped up he argues is essentially one of the greatest threats for us connecting to our own soul and um really growing in our own spirit and i just all of the examples he gave i mean he gave some of the most simplest things to do to slow down our pace but also all of the reasons behind it of why and it was just a powerful really a powerful book of how can we intentionally put margin in our lives which I know you and I both desperately need Mm -hmm. and also we advocate for but then how do we keep accountable to those things and so I'm grateful my two best friends read it as well and so we are really like working to keep each other accountable to creating margin and slowing down our pace of life Mm -hmm. and I mean one of the most simplest things he said was drive the speed limit Mm -hmm. Because number one, it's the law. Mm -hmm. And number two, like, are you really in that much of a hurry that you need to break the Mm -hmm. law? Like, you're going to get there still early and probably sit in the parking lot for five or ten minutes before your meeting starts or whatever it is, you know. I mean, it was such a simple concept, but.
0: Well, I think with the elimination of hurry, um, also being able to say no. Yeah, So
1: absolutely.
0: I have learned, especially this year. There is so much emotional, cultural p- pressure to shop and to be part oh, of Christmas yes. yep. chaos. Yes. That if you're not part of it, or you're choosing not to be part of it, you almost seem ostracized.
1: Yeah. Oh, I had somebody ask me what I got on Cyber Monday, and I didn't buy anything, and they were I'm like,
0: what? "I haven't bought what? <laughs> anything. I haven't bought a single solitary mm. thing," which is so rare for Whoa. me. Because I, I am so in resistance to this yeah. this current season anyway. And there's, there's so much to be said about grief and um, holidays. Yeah. But just kind of, you know, I've been paying attention as I'm driving places. You know, what places have the most uh, over-the-top decorations? How soon did they come about? Yeah. Um, one of the things in the thanksgiving in the 90s article was like we've essentially eliminated thanksgiving yeah you know mm-hmm. i can't remember any stores being open on thanksgiving oh, when i was a goodness.
1: kid yeah like not even like, a gas station i mean it's whole the whole day is interrupted i mean i had friends that were telling me they were going out to target or walmart or whatever like two o'clock in the afternoon and for what for what yeah. did it seriously
0: save you a thousand dollars because if it didn't but that's also yeah. my assumption of values. My yeah. values are I'd rather be present with human beings yeah. than do that. Um, I've also have been paying really close attention to what gifting means. And mm-hmm. so um, simple abundance is something that I, I read daily. Yeah. Um, today started the 12 days of Christmas. And, and she talks yeah. about the gifts of the season. So today is the gift of undivided attention. So how can you give undivided attention to other human beings? And um, I I will get to practice lots of this um, as I spend the afternoon with other moms setting up for yet another formal and um, then serving um, that meal. Um, I think my shift ends at 9 o'clock tonight and my shift begins at um, 1 o'clock today. So undivided attention is the gift. Um, These are the gifts. Undivided attention, enthusiasm, creative energy, simple seasonal pleasures, tenderness, good cheer, beauty, communication, surprise, wonder, peaceful surroundings, and joy. Mm -hmm. And I feel pressure about gift giving that is absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So I also am learning that I really value the gifts that have been given to me up to this point because people listen to who I am. yeah. So when Janae sent a California mug, mm-hmm. Gigi just recently finished a quote for me that is beautiful and has so much to do oh. with my current life situation. Yeah. Um, and she gifted that to me this weekend. Um, Paxton, my almost three-year-old um wish he was my um, own kid. He's so adorable, but he's my friend Kim's kid. Um, Paxton gifted me um, a Golden Girls ornament. Um, the things that have arrived in the mail yeah. that have not, weren't identified. Mm-hmm. So I had to do some investigation to figure out who sent the Golden Girls yeah. ornament and found yeah. out it was Paco. Uh-huh. Um, so just kind of all of these different things that we, when you talk about the elimination of hurry. Yeah. We also could do a little bit of pondering of, like, why do we buy into this chaos?
1: So that's one of the things that's actually talked about in this book. So essentially he advocates for, like, four spiritual practices, and one of them is Sabbath. So, you know, really carving out time not to work and to, like, fully rest. Um, The um, second one is um, silence and solitude. Um, which I've advocated for a lot on this podcast before. Um, the third one is simplicity, and the fourth one is slow. Mm-hmm. And simplicity, he talks a lot about how essentially, you know, the change in the evolution of consumerism and even our rhythms as a society, that things used to be closed on Sundays. Yeah. Or things closed at 6 o'clock in the evenings, and now right. they're open 24-7. And so, it, But then also how advertising, he literally labels it propaganda. And how essentially it's the bottom line is to get you to buy something. Um, And I've loved recently... It draws you in. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And makes you feel like you need to to give. And so one of the things that I've really loved recently, I mean, I follow a lot of like um, activists and um, people that advocate for different um, kind of justice issues. And um, I follow a lot of kind of environmentalists as well. And there's actually... A clothing store that opened up in Omaha that is like 100% sustainable and like um, zero waste. And so they only like source ethical clothes and ethical products in the store, which I really love. There's a few kind of stores like that, that have opened, but this is like the only clothing one that I know, um, like that. And they posted on Instagram and a lot of people reposted it, but it was, um, and essentially, uh, it was a page about all of the non- physical things you could give someone Mm -hmm. like experiences Mm -hmm. um like i mean like or non-cluttery things you could give someone i think is what it was called like instead of more stuff what could be something that's just as um meaningful to another person so it was like coupons for your time like offer them free babysitting Mm -hmm. and you know or Mm -hmm. you know coffee dates or yeah give them you know a subscription to the zoo You know, a yearly um, family Mm -hmm. pass to the zoo, family Mm -hmm. passes to museums, things like that. um, That I think we're really, I think just really neat to start thinking about that as well. I mean, I know you are always an advocate of um, minimalism as well. And I think just even the way this author wrote it in the book really talked about how decluttering our life helps to declutter our souls. Mm -hmm. And so he talked and really advocated, you know, using the principles of minimalism essentially but used it kind of in a spiritual sense to advocate for the spiritual practice of simplicity
0: i've always not always since um well the last 10 years um we have done i have done with my kids four gifts Mm -hmm. want need wear read and then i added on um I called it the "mom is awesome" category, but it was an experience. Mm -hmm. So concert tickets this year—it's a trip to Colorado. Um, You know, an experience piece, and they've come to know this now. It's been—you know—I'm doing it for ten years. But what I love is that they'll wait to purchase something, which I also think honors. eliminating hurry yeah. is to slow down yes. and not get 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 what we want the second yeah. we want it. Absolutely. I have so much realization of all the things that I do not have that everyone else is walking around with that I'm I'm doing just fine using my old headphones. Yeah. Doing just just fine on the plane to use yeah. my old headphones. Um and my goodness and on my United flight they'd even give you a pair of headphones to so, use. <laughs> I mean, it's not I don't jump into the next thing yeah um and the purchase hurry yeah I think is off the charts like okay. the next new thing mm-hmm. people have to have it and I just haven't bought into that yeah. for the last 10 years um mostly because of I mean I just can't financially do yeah. those things um I just cannot yeah. um but also being a little bit hesitant to buy something that's going to get tossed yeah and so um, the want, need, wear, read, I love that you Sean's been thinking about it all year what book he wants um, mm. and that their experience is something that's a decided upon um, kind of together. A couple of years ago I did a karaoke machine that was not a decided upon experience <laughs> that was voted off the island and that ended up not yeah. being used Yeah. and then I um, gave it actually to Anna. But it pained me yeah. that I'd actually purchased something that was going to sit and waste. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so the want, need, wear, read and I know that comes around on social media with um, parents often yeah. that's been a really good basis it also keeps it fair yeah. so they know they'll have four gifts um, it keeps it simple for me mm-hmm. um, but then also I looked back um, I have every Christmas list um, for the last probably 10 years in Excel spreadsheets because we used to buy for everyone and then I started saying, this is silly. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to be spending the holidays with um, Mike and Abby and, and Abby's parents. And, you know, they're not expecting a gift. Mm-hmm. My kids aren't expecting more than the four in an experience. Yeah. And I think even allotting myself permission to say, you know, this is kind of silly. I'm doing yeah. this just to do this,
1: yeah. just
0: to give a gift is kind of ridiculous.
1: But also are those, you said they aren't expecting it. So it's expectations you've put on yourself or society. You've interpreted from society, right? So the the chaos of the mall. Oh my
0: gosh. I live by Shadow Lake. I mean, it is absolute insanity right now. I'm like, what are you guys looking for? When I drove past the outlets on the crappiest day, I can't remember. It was really terrible outside. And it was packed. And I'm thinking, that's an outdoor mall.
1: Yeah. What,
0: do you, what? But I also have come to understand that it's easy to fall into that. I should be doing this. Yeah. I should buy into this crazy chaos. I mean, even the baking and the cooking and the prep. Um, yeah. It, it. Some of it's very unnecessary. Yeah. But I think the um, the glorification of busy. Yeah. Has taken over, and I'm I'm learning that. I mean, I've been very intentional in December to say no. I'll go where I want to spend my energy. Anything outside of that is just going to be a simple no. Um, And I like that it's honoring solitude and reflection.
1: Absolutely. I want to
0: spend the rest of this month reflecting on the decade and the things that I've accomplished instead of thinking I have to add more.
1: Yeah.
0: And a lot has happened in 10 years. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So I think that... To eliminate some of the hurry right now would be to challenge our listeners to stop and pause and say, what can I let go of? Yeah. We're trying to plan a girls' trip. And for February, and Katie responded with, I, I'm just, I'm too busy to think right now.
1: Mm.
0: And I, I mean, just five children. Yeah. Um, I, I can't, four children plus charger and Paul. Um, I can't imagine what that's like plus family, plus travel, plus a trip that they're trying to plan as a family. I mean, just, it's a lot, Yeah. but my heart hurt for her because I don't have to do that right now. My hurry is 100% me. Mm. So if I'm in a spun out chaos mode, that's on me. Mm. Um, and just even deciding to say in December, no, yeah, it's very difficult, especially high empathy, yeah. high woo. It is yeah. very difficult to say no, thanks, or like, I'm a part,
1: Party and you're like, no, nope. I'm going to distance myself <laughs> a
0: little bit because yeah. it's just not doesn't feel yeah. good to me. And it's okay to say. I mean, mm-hmm. why would I ever pressure anyone to be somewhere they don't want to be? Yeah. Um, I was chatting with Jen about just Santa. Yeah. I mean, why do we do that to kids? Seriously. Go sit on this, uh, this Adult adult's lap. lap. Oh, yeah. And Absolutely. let me take a picture of it. And you tell him about the things, yep. the gifts that you want. I mean, red, it's flag. So,
1: red flag. All red the red flag. flags. <laughs>
0: all the red flags. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about how I used to just create so much chaos for my children at home in the holiday season because yeah. we had to get to this and we had to get to this and we had to get to this I would give anything to go back and just pause yeah. and be more present Yeah. Um, so I think one of the gifts that we can give um, this time of year is those things that are not yeah. material Physical. and are so related to non-hurry yeah. um, the other thing I, I wanted to mention on here is that I've had some reflection that I realized Came from some of the language and the conversations here, and the people reaching out to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I sometimes get in my head to think, "Okay, now I don't have this, or I'm not going to have this again, or this is missing." Mm-hmm. And those missed experiences, and now I've realized that I have the opportunity, and the gift, and the talent, and the ability to create those experiences for others. Yeah, and it ha- wow. and that will give me more joy
1: mm-hmm.
0: than anything I ever. Received. So to be able to craft and create, to be able to celebrate New Year's Eve, watching Paxton turn three, Mm. is a complete shift of what New Year's Eve has always been for me. Um, But to know that I can create an experience, being right there with him, that honors a three-year-old, also honors a really good friend who's been very present for me this year, um, but honors my kids seeing something different in a new year's eve yeah. that I can create and craft experiences for others instead of looking at what is missing. Yeah. But actually what can I do a better job creating? Um,
1: I love that. I know attention. we talked about that on an episode 2 of like sometimes the best way to heal the mess that's going on within us is sometimes to just serve and pour ourselves onto other people, Mm -hmm. right? That's sometimes what we need to do and it can be so healing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really looking forward to, I have probably more holiday parties than I ever have this year Mm -hmm. and it's been really neat at every one. And I know that's like against the (laughs) elimination of hurry, right? Like opposite a little bit of that, but I think I've been really pulled to be very intentional about And a lot of them have fallen on the same night. So I'm deciding, number one, which one to go to. Um, And then um, number two, finding moments within it that make it worth it, right? So I always go in thinking, I kind of know who's going to be here. Who would be someone I would really enjoy a conversation with tonight? And even I started doing – I did that at Thanksgiving, and I had this awesome hour-long conversation with one of my cousins Mm -hmm. that I – rarely talk to, but her and I have been on a very similar kind of spiritual journey. And so, um, I mean, and then just like how life giving that was for me Mm -hmm. based on my strengths, especially, um, but also where I'm at in life, like loving being present, right. And Mm -hmm. having, Incredible intentional conversations that are life giving. Um, I am, um, I think both of us have talked about this. Like, I love going to counseling. Like, I just processing life with a counselor is just so helpful for me sometimes. And um, I was meeting with her yesterday and um, she was like, Tess, you can't always like live life at deep conversations like all all conversations can't be deep and i said why not why can't they be just <laughs> you know that. i was like and but at the same time it's like yes you will encounter people you know in that
0: aren't the grocery
1: store you'll encounter people you know Acquaintances, and then so it was kind of in conjunction with the layers of relationships, right? Like, you have people, you have strangers, and then you have like acquaintances, and then you have friends, and you have deep friends, and then you have like soul connecting relationships. Like, and so there's like you know different levels there, but you know, I was kind of like, well, why can't they all be deep conversations? Because that's what I want to have, and that's what's life giving for me. Um, but it's been really neat that even in the spaces like a holiday party where. Sometimes the conversation is only going to be at surface level and at the shallow perspective. Intentionally advocating for depth of conversation has been a really cool challenge that I've really walked into most holiday parties with, mm-hmm. um, with kind of that intention. It's been cool to see what's come out of it. So I have one tonight and one tomorrow. And I already have kind of the people in my head that, um, that I'm kind of like, oh, it'd be really cool to like have a longer conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Well, it goes back to the take what you want. Yeah, and leave the leave rest. The rest. Yeah. And, so,
0: and I think um, one of the things that I'm experiencing is it's actually I'm having more meaningful conversations with people who don't yet know me very well, who notice things that those yeah. who are around me all the time do not, do and also have the capacity to just say what they notice yeah. and leave it at that. There's so much around the power of moments. Um, I think that's the Heath brothers that wrote that book. Um, it's so much around. I mean, I have I have meaningful conversations if I choose yeah. to, in in airports and mm-hmm. in the elevator and in interaction in the hallway, if I choose mm-hmm. to, um, because sometimes those gems that I'll take away are. So, I mean they can yeah. elevate a deeper reflection for me. Yep. Um, I also think that it's really, really good for people to um, be able to shift the what's normal, yeah. what's typical, what's your norm, what's your, your limit. I, someone said to me, hmm. I mentioned that Lauren convinced me to go to Ozone with her, which was really quite an adventure. Um, <laughs> and it's more of an older, much older, um, group that go and dance and have a great time. And something was said in the line of, oh, you know, I don't go out. I don't really go out or go do those kinds of things much. And I said, well, neither do I. And that's why I'm doing this. Yeah. Because if I stay stuck mm-hmm. in the same hamster wheel repeat, yeah. it's going to be stuck. So even um, extending out past maybe the knowing where to give energy yeah. And knowing where to say no, but also being willing to kind of stretch a little bit. And where I'm stretching now isn't in the typical groups. Yeah. It, it would be a stretch for me to go home and be part of a holiday party back home right now. Because I just really don't. I'm not ready. Yeah. Now, a good stretch would be me going and maybe witnessing holiday lights in downtown Papillion and walking around and having interaction with people. That would be an okay stretch yeah. because you have to know where you are. Yeah. This is probably, I would say in my life, the most self-aware and the strongest mm-hmm. I've ever, ever been. I have yes. never been able to say no. Mm-hmm. I've never been able to say, hey, this is what happened and I'm not okay with it. Yeah. I've not had good use of worth and mm-hmm. self um preservation in a lot of ways yeah. and now I'm trying to do a better job with that that's a gift to give to yourself yeah um but, but also, also a really
1: good indicator of the maturing of your talents right and also getting back to Robert's as mature.
0: 45 I'm going to be 45 yeah. there have been 20 years 20 25 almost years of relationship struggle in my life, there have been many, many family struggles, hardships, difficulty. It doesn't define me. Mm-hmm. Um, my work doesn't define me. Um, I'm learning that really being able to say this is who I am and what my values are is going to be a very important pivot and adjustment that I do going yeah. into the next, the next okay. decade, the next. However many years. Um, I would say that 45 is going to be a big, big, important number for me. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. glad of that. And also just in the interactions I've had with people who want to grow. Um, Wanting to grow is important.
1: Absolutely. So Yeah, you have to be willing to enter into it.
0: Yep. Yep. And I think um, raw versus mature, challenges versus catalysts, holidays this way, holidays that way, Mm -hmm. generational... Perspective: Everything has the option to be open learning,
1: yeah. if we
0: choose to mm-hmm. to kind of tuck our own um, yeah. judgment and assumption away and be open to those to the gifts that other people bring.
1: Absolutely, I love that. Oh. Yeah. Well, I want to. I think a few takeaways or uh, action items for our listeners would be first to maybe share with us how your holiday traditions have changed or how holidays look different now than they did. Um, a decade ago, two decades ago, or you know when you were really young, um, mm-hmm. if you um, are from a more seasoned generation. Um, so how have holidays changed over the course of your lifetime? Um, and do you think generation, you know that's a generational thing when it comes to something like technology? Um, or do you think it is more of um, just a growth, a thing that happens uh, as a part of our growing humanity? Uh, and then second um, is to really, I think I want to summarize kind of our conversation around the busyness of holidays and um, and creating margin in our life. Actually, into a question that um, Sarah um, Waldman, our executive director, brought up. We had conversation starters at our holiday party, and one of the conversation starters was, "How do you make time for yourself in the midst of the busy holiday? What does I mean? It's an overused term, but like, what is self care, and what does and I would say, what does nourishment to your soul look like in the midst of what has become plagued with consumerism? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So how do you, yeah, how do you care for yourself, um, for your soul, and how do you, you know, really establish connections with others mm-hmm. um, in the midst of um, this this busy season? I love that we paralleled this episode with the episode before, which was all about how do you give gifts and the excitement of giving gifts because mm-hmm. it is really a double-sided coin, right? There can be – I'm very excited about some of the physical material gifts that I bought this year, but also I really limited myself because of you know my own budget and, um, and financial decisions that I really kept – to a very prescriptive budget of what I was going to spend per person. And that's very different than in previous years where I said, if I found the perfect gift for someone, my mm-hmm. individualization would say, oh, it doesn't matter if it's that much. I would just get it because I knew it was the right gift. Um, but there's a know.
0: podcast Jean Chatsky has. It's called Her Money. Yeah. And she also has an email. Um, she gives a percentage that you should be spending on on holidays overall. Oh, wow. Um, oh. Yeah. It would change a lot of people's lives. I'll say that for sure. Um, because it's ridiculous and, and she's like, don't limit your, you know, take a look at what you actually spend on yeah. going to holiday parties, yeah. on clothing for holiday parties, yeah. on wrapping gifts, on yeah. shopping, on the money that you spend if you dine out when you're shopping, like
1: yeah.
0: all of it. And, um, I'm wow. not going to give the number away cause I want people to investigate it. <laughs> what the percentage of your overall take-home income should be
1: interesting oh i'm excited to listen it's good cool Oh, man. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to episode 56 of Jen and Millie. If you enjoyed today's conversation, consider sharing this episode with a friend to interact with us and share the responses uh, to the questions that we posed and and action items we posed in this episode. Uh, Best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at Jen and Millie. That's at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-I-E. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are exclusively that of Allison Horn and Tess Starman and may not reflect the views of Teammate's mentoring program at large. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, um, and we'll see you next time.